Hello. Hello. Welcome to Travel Radio. Hello, that little introduction was my children, Joey, Orion, and my mother-in-law, and um, I'm so happy that I finally got to get my mother-in-law on the program because she was one of my earliest listeners and also one of my biggest, most consistent supporters, so thanks, Mom. Um, I was just in Las Vegas for a week, and the reason I was able to attend a travel conference there is because I have wonderful in-laws that watched our children for a week, so thank you guys so much for allowing me to go to that awesome training. Um, and that Joe and I could both, you know, have a little away time also. So that's where we are. Were more on Las Vegas later. More on flying Virgin Atlantic, transatlantic with children, and um, and also a little giveaway that we're going to be doing for one of the products that we demoed for that trip. But firstly, I wanted to read an iTunes review because. It was a really fantastic week, and I have to say that I'm very thankful to everyone who took a second to review the podcast. One is from Montana Girl 82 This podcast is great at offering informative perspectives on travel that you don't get anywhere else. Exclamation point. Five stars. Thank you so much. The other one is from Ali Farrow. This podcast was recommended to me by a friend, and I have been equally interested and entertained with each episode. I had never even considered using a travel agent prior to this podcast, but I will definitely be using one for my next big trip. Megan has made me a believer in the value of travel agents and opened my eyes to new travel destinations. Highly recommend. That's really great for me to hear. Um, The goal of this podcast is to introduce travelers to new types of destinations, uh, maybe travel they hadn't considered before, or resources to help them check bucket list level travel off their list and get those things accomplished. And part of the way that we do that is to introduce travelers to travel professionals, whether that is a professional travel writer or someone or a tour operator or a travel agent. I have a lot of travel agents on the show because they're, I mean, they're, they're in it all the time. They're the experts. Uh, so if you hear one that you like, please feel free to contact them. I'm glad that it's becoming a resource for people. Um, the last thing I want to do is do a couple shout outs to some people that I was able to hang out with at the conference. The first is Courtney Abramovitz. Courtney is a travel professional and she saw on Instagram that I was going to be at the conference and we dialogued back and forth a little bit and she reached out and said that she was going to be there and can we have, well, I said, let's, let's high five. So we did. And we sat with each other for a couple of sessions, uh, learning about different types of destinations, um, different countries, those sort of things. And Courtney was just really nice to turn something that happened online into a face-to-face meetup. So thanks so much. And I'll put Courtney's, uh, if Courtney does luxury travel, so I'll put her information, uh, in the show notes. The other lady I want to give a shout out to is Helen Quick. Helen is just uh, she's a cruise, she's with Cruise Planners International, and this lady is just the smile and the personality are just bubbly and contagious. 
Um, she also has a, a blog that she does called Wine Quickie, and that's kind of her love of wine and everything that uh, her life kind of centered around the love of wine is called Wine Quickie, and uh, and it's winequickie.com, which is really cu- cute because her last name is Quick. So uh, anyway, Helen Quick, thank you so much for, you know, just continuously being in dialogue with me and being a friend at the at the conference. And without, with that, um, I want to give one last announcement. During the month of April, we're going to be doing a giveaway with product sponsors that I'm very excited to have. Um, first product sponsor officially, the product is called Cozy Phones. Cozy Phones are, you might have heard um, Judy Yurza talk about Cozy, phone, Cozy Phones on the podcast before. And they started for children and they are flat headphones in a really nice fleece headband. And they have these adorable characters. So they, they started on Paw Patrol. That's their first licensed product. But I opted to order my children the little fox and the unicorn because I really thought that they were adorable. And I'll do a whole product review later, but uh, we don't have time for that on today's episode. But basically, my kids don't want to take them off. And we've actually taken the headphones out of them so that they can just wear the headbands by themselves. Uh, but I've since reunited the headbands to the headphones so that I don't lose them because they love them. They wore them for two transatlantic flights uh, without wanting to take them off. Uh, and, and part of that, they were they fell asleep and I just turned off the programming. But all that to say, really great product. We're going to do a giveaway. Uh, Cozy Phones will fulfill the order themselves. I'm not actually giving the product away. But what you have to do is sign up for the travel radio newsletter. Haven't put one together yet, but I would like to be able to do that in the future to talk about the upcoming episodes so you know what's coming up and also to include future giveaways and things of that nature. So you can sign up at travelradiopodcast.com. There should be a little pop-up bubble that says sign up for our newsletter. Awesome giveaway. Signups for the month of April will be entered into the drawing for a pair of Cozy Phones headphones. Anyway, excited about that. Full review and write-up coming soon. Um, and without further ado, uh, this episode's awesome. And if you have you know, someone that might have been labeled as a wild child or a problem child or even someone maybe traveling with a child um, on, and the, on the autism spectrum, this is going to be a really neat episode on how to qualify uh, what type of travel is appropriate. So anyway, all that to say, please enjoy this episode with Joe Sanok. Warning, we cry within like the first five minutes. Excellent stories, excellent resource. Please enjoy. Hello and welcome to Travel Radio Podcast. I am your host, Megan Chapa, and I am privileged today to have a episode called Aha! Where to Take Your Wild Child on Vacation. Today's guest is Joe Sanak, who is going to be our subject matter expert as a professional counselor and also host of the uh, number one ranked podcast for travel, or sorry, not travel professionals, counselors and in the mental health profession. So, which is called, sorry, practice of the practice. Joe, now that I've totally butchered your introduction, (laughs) would you please do a better job and introduce yourself? Absolutely, Megan. Uh, I have a counseling private practice here in Traverse City, Michigan called Mental Wellness Counseling uh, that I started back in 2009. And then through that process learned that 
a lot of the business skills to launch a practice I never learned in grad school. So I started blogging about it and podcasting. And now most of what I do is I help people to start, grow, and scale private practices. But even more so, people often like to launch big ideas like podcasts or e-courses or keynotes uh, to take their skills that they do in their counseling sessions and take that to the world. Uh, Also, I've got a four-year-old and a seven-year-old, two girls that are just freaking awesome. wife, Christina, uh, that she and I both have a huge travel heart uh, and love just traveling the world. So uh, we look forward to traveling more with the two of those little girls. And we've done quite a bit of travel on our own. Awesome. Yes. I also want my three-year-old little boy. He's almost four in May. And then my daughter is seven. So perfect. So when we yeah. when we talk about kid stuff, we are just understanding what the other we, what the other we, person we is dealing with. <laughs> how relentless this phase can be. That is a really good way to describe it. Like I was getting ready for this podcast and putting dinner in the oven and waiting for my husband to get home and doing spelling homework and math homework. And every room I moved to, my daughter was right behind me. I'm like, babe, aren't you didn't we just talk about your math homework? And it's just, oh my gosh, I love her. But yeah. yes, re- I, I relentless is the word. sounds like our house. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Joe, I first heard about you on John Dennis's podcast, which is On the Couch. And it is sort of a friendlier side of mental health and counseling. Uh, and it means to be approachable and accessible to everyone uh, that might not be able to go to counseling or maybe they are intimidated by counseling. His current series is Relationship 911, which I have listened to, and I really recommend to anyone, not just that might want to approach maybe marriage counseling, but other relationships. It's a really excellent series. Uh, So just to give John a little plug there, but I heard your episode, and um, and that's where I really was uh, interested to reach out to you and thought of you as someone as an expert in the means of how to plan a vacation or how to plan travel for a child that may be difficult. Because when I think about my children who are really wonderful most of the time, sometimes they are very difficult and that limits me and what I want to take them to do. But there must be a way to plan for children who you maybe do have some behavior challenges. And um, anyway, when I heard you there, that's what that's where I wanted to reach out to you. So would you I want to you, if you don't mind, to tell the story about the boat and the little girl that I heard you mention on that podcast, which is a little bit of duplicate content, but it's worth it. And I'm going to try not to cry when you get to the end because it's a good story. Yeah. You know, and I'm so glad you bring that up because I feel like it taps into not only what, you know, kids with challenges oftentimes will be going through, um, but also it's applicable to kids that maybe don't have those same challenges. And we can kind of draw out some things that can apply to, you know, even parents that just say, oh, my kid's kind of a pill once in a while. Mm -hmm. Like, what do I do in that situation? So uh, even if your kid isn't uh, having major challenges, uh, I think, you know, what we're going to talk about is going to be applicable. Mm -hmm. So I I started this program as the clinical director uh, where the goal was to take kids that were at risk. And how we defined that was they had to be in two systems of care. So that would be foster care and on probation, or Hmm. um, they have to have just been adopted and they also were involved with community mental health. So they had Hmm. to have at least two different major organizations that they were working with. Okay. Uh, And so we know that the stats are just crazy in regards to foster care kids. Uh, I think it's something like 25% will be homeless by age 22. And just like when you, when you look at just what they're set up for through no fault of their own, through having parents that, 
you know, treated them poorly or a system that overreacted. And I mean, mm-hmm. we, we don't need to get into all of that. But we so we get these kids um, and our goal was to give them experiences that would teach them more than, you know, just sitting in a counseling session. Mm-hmm. So we started this therapeutic sailing program and it was the first time uh, in, in the nation that there was a program where kids went sailing and had therapy right on the sailboat. Mm-hmm. Uh, other programs would like do an outward bound type thing where maybe they go hiking and then they get some therapy and mm-hmm. or they go for a sailing ride and then maybe they on land have it. But I was actually yeah. on the sailboat. So we had been given this uh, 50-foot Concordia cutter, this enormous wooden sailboat. Mm. Uh, so if you picture a pirate ship only a little bit smaller, yeah. um, that's basically what you would picture. The only replica of which the Kennedy family owns. So that's it was crazy. this amazing <laughs> boat. And they said it specifically had to be used for a program for at-risk kids. Perfect. And so, so they tapped me as someone who had a background in teaching experiential approaches to therapy. I had presented on that at some national conferences and really developed just some basic ways to use experience to teach instead of just, you know, the therapist saying, you need to stop doing that. Mm. So we take these kids, uh, this one group that we had that uh, really stands out to me was this group of girls of foster kids that were also on probation had had so much power just ripped out of their lives. Many of yeah. them had been sexually assaulted as kids. Mm. Uh, many of them had been physically abused or sexually abused by their own parents. Mm. Um, they then reacted and did really dumb things like stealing cars or lighting things on fire. But well, they had no control. How too? Right. I know. Seriously. It's like, and, and so then we're, we're trying to help them when they've been through more trauma than any human should go through, mm. let alone someone that's, you know, all of them were about 16 to mm. 14 to 16 in that age range. And now having two daughters, it's like even harder to think about that situation. Gosh, yeah. So day one, we, we do some team building activities on land um, that start with very simple kind of fun games, moving all the way up into ones where our hope is that they start yelling at each other. Uh, just so that if they're going to freak out, I'd rather that be on land than be on a sailboat in the middle of West Bay where yeah. I can't get them back to shore. <laughs> and so by the end of the day, they have gone through this, this cycle where they've gotten really pissed off at each other. We've created a contract over what they want their behavior to be like. We, we expect success out of them. Uh, and then we finally get on the sailboat on uh, that afternoon of Monday. Did you have any sailing experience before you did this? Yeah. So the big thing I often said was uh, I'm in charge of the therapy and the behavior and I can be an assistant with the rigging. Uh, and those that are on the boat are the experts and the captains on the boat. He is the expert in regards to sailing and I will be an assistant to him. So we had a very okay. clear delineation. Uh, a couple of years earlier, my in-laws uh, had bought a sailboat. And so uh, oh, the only time God. before that, okay. the only time before that, though, was in when I was in the Boy Scouts, I got my small boat sailing merit badge and got a sailboat <laughs> stuck upside down in muck. And then the only other time other That's than that, not a I very got good resume builder. Up. I got stranded in the ocean with my father on a sailboat. And so <laughs> my, my track record was terrible. So that's why having a licensed captain and volunteers that knew what they were oh, doing goodness. was really important. Good. Okay. So, Continue. So Sorry. these teen girls, so these teen girls are out there and there's this one young lady. Um, why don't we just call her Sophia? Um, mm-hmm. obviously I can't use real names, but so Sophia, she says to the captain right away as we're about to back out this boat, I want to learn to back out this boat. Now, Sophia's background was she had stolen cars. She had done had some breaking and entering. Um, she was the middle child of three, separated from both of her siblings, mm. uh, and then finally had just come back um, to be now 
in foster care with her uh, younger brother. And she was like this tough but witty young lady mm-hmm. um, who just like she was smaller than most of the other kids physically, even though she was a lot kind of very similar in age. Mm. But like she was the alpha female um, who just was so <laughs> smart and just like could just like like we would laugh at her jokes and the other kids would like be like, what? And it was like oh. it would be an insult. And you're just like, you know, you can't say that, Sophia. Um, <laughs> Even though none of the kids just got that and you're like 25 or 30 in your joke level. Yeah. So so she, there is this kind of uh, like natural affinity where we're like, wow, she has so much potential, but she's just been set up for failure. So she says to the captain, I want to I want to help like take this boat out. And we hadn't ever had a kid up until that point that really wanted to, to move the boat out. Mm. And we realized really quickly that. It was it was amazing if we could teach the kids with the goal to have them sail the boat by the end of the week without the adults' help. So, I mean, mm. this is a $2 million boat. These kids have never been given power and control. Yeah. And, you know, by Wednesday, they're pretty much rigging the whole thing themselves. And the volunteers that are coming that are supposed to be the experts are asking them for help. Oh, awesome. So we're now like three days into this thing. And she's slowly starting to pull the boat out, but still with the captain's help. So Friday morning, uh, the goal is that they're going to sail this sailboat completely on their own. And what's cool about a sailboat is that it's forced team building. You know, you can't sail a boat of that size and be the the lone wolf. Like mm-hmm. if you're going to get the rudder, um, someone has to be hoisting that sail. Someone has sure. to be trimming the line. Um, so they had to work together or they wouldn't go anywhere. So the natural consequences were severe if they screwed up. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, we always had safety measures to make sure they didn't screw up too much. Um, so by the end of the week, they're clicking along as a group. Um, they're sailing this boat. Uh, and this girl you know, wants to pull in the boat uh, to the harbor. And my gosh, you said you were going to try not to cry. And I've told this story so many times. So what she didn't know is that she was about to get adopted. Um, and okay, now I'm going to cry. Keep going. So, so she and her caseworker, or so her soon-to-be adoptive mom, her caseworker and her probation officer were standing at the harbor. And she comes around this corner sailing. Oh, Megan, take a breath. <laughs> she comes around this corner with this like five ton boat that she's sailing with the crew and in all ways has the most power she's ever had in her life. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things that a therapy session just can't give that kind of transformation to somebody. Yeah. Um, and it really put a spotlight on how experiences there were so important. And and to move outside of just that moment, mm-hmm. I think the travel and the experiences that we experience that challenge our cultural assumptions, challenge our way we do life, allow us or our kids to just see how other people live, that's where our own personal transformation happens as well. Mm. That's we an got awesome through it, Megan. Sorry. <laughs> I know as, as when he started telling me about the boat coming around the corner being adopted, I'm like looking around my room for tissues and I totally don't have any in here. But um, we don't usually cry on the podcast, so it's I like, know. You know, oh gosh, okay, that's a good story though. Okay, so now that we've gotten through the boat story, can you tell us um, a little bit more about your background counseling and specifically working with you know somewhat difficult children in order to uh, help the listeners establish you as our you know as our expert right now? Yeah, well, I have to go back to eighth grade. Oh, um, wow. 
Yeah, I know. Uh, so in eighth grade, uh, there was this kid, Jeremy, who was stealing office supplies from the teachers. So like three hole punches, mm. you know, scissors, um, staplers, just, I mean, it was like an office depot, uh. you know, in, in his, his locker and everyone in the class knew, but no one was going to narc him out. Um, so someone thought it would be funny to tell the teachers where all this, these office supplies were and to tell him that I was the one that told on him. Oh no. So I step out of math class this one day in front of the whole class and he grabs me and just like beats me up in front of the entire class. And I mm-hmm. don't fight back at all. I my parents were hippies that were like, you know, later I found out my dad always would like challenge bullies when he was a kid and I'm like that would have been a good message for me to hear in like 8th grade. Become a pacifist later. Yeah, I know. <laughs> So, I mean, for a long time, I carried a lot of like anger towards this kid, Jeremy, um, and started in kind of the middle of my bachelor's degree. Uh, I knew I wanted to go into psychology and counseling. That was something I was just always interested in. But I, I said, you know, how can I work with the Jeremy's of the world so that the Joe Sanox of the world don't get beat up as mm. much? So mm. I got a job at a runaway shelter. Oh, my uh, gosh. And it was amazing. I loved it. I, I met these kids who had, you know, oftentimes been between I'm going to run away or I can go to this shelter. Um, and their families were at the end of their rope. And I realized through that experience that those kids were often just acting out what they were seeing at home every single day. Um, oh, they were yeah. acting out violence from home on other kids. And I realized when I thought back on it, Jeremy's mom was the youngest mom by a long shot. And, mm-hmm. you know, she always had a boyfriend that was like in and out and he was in the principal's office all the time. And like thinking through it, um, like he just had probably a rough life from what I can guess. I mean, I don't know much about his background. And so then kind of my empathy shifted away from just the Jeremy's of the world and, you know, towards the families. And so I then, as I got my master's degree, um, started working at community mental health with a practice, with a group called wraparound. And uh, we started this thing called the Adventure Group, where we took kids that had been kicked out of every program in the city, and we had a one to two ratio of therapists to kids. And so these are kids that are like they've been through the juvenile justice program. They've tried to send them through a summer camp with, you know, some at risk kids. They got kicked out of that program. And now it's like the only thing that we can do to keep these kids off the street is to have one therapist for every two of them. So this Adventure Group. Uh, we'd do fun things though. We'd go camping, we'd go biking, we'd go hiking, um, kayaking. Um, and in doing that, to see how these kids oftentimes, um, the things that were at home, they were living out, but they still had fears. Yeah. I still remember this one day that we were going kayaking. And this kid who was the drug dealer of of Kalamazoo, uh, he was the alpha male by the group. He was huge. Uh, he and I were about to go kayaking and we were in about three feet of water. He was so scared and he wasn't a strong swimmer. Mm -hmm. He had a life jacket on. I think the deepest it got was probably five feet. He was, I would say he's probably about my height. So probably about six foot tall Mm -hmm. age, 16 ripped, you know, giant kid. Um, and his kayak flips over as we're getting into it. I get out and I'm knee deep and he's holding his kayak thinking like he's going to (laughs) die. So we end up getting I'm a sorry, canoe. it's not funny, but it is because he's so is. big. He's so out of his zone. And it's like, just stand up. You literally are in a bathtub right now. Mm. And he was like hugging his kayak, like, I'm gonna die. <laughs> but these kids who have, you know, often such troubles, they just want someone that can say, like, I've got your back. You're safe with me. So he sat in the front of a canoe and just like sat there for the entire trip, and I just paddled the entire way for the two of us. Mm. And 
the rapport that those kind of things build is amazing because that experience showed him like, okay, I'm not someone that's going to beat you up. I'm not someone that's going to make fun of you for being scared of two feet of water. Mm. I'm, you know, we can later say, okay, how does that relate to life? Okay. There's times we think we're really in danger, but we're not. And our past triggers come in and we can you know, kind of turn it into a, a good teachable moment. But I think the distinction that's often made is there's troubled kids and mm. then there's our kids. Mm. And in reality, they're all kids. It's just what level of kind of damage or impact has happened before they get to this moment when they're making a poor decision. Yeah. Okay. So that is some excellent background on your work with, you know, this group of children, this, this kind of topic we're addressing. Um, and maybe today we're going to talk probably more about a family that the child is still in the house. They're not in the, the system as, you know, they're not abandoned. They're not runaways, but maybe it's a family that really wants to take a vacation, has felt limited in what they can do because of, you know, this child or children and they, and they want to connect to them. So, um, today's topic again is aha, where to take your wild child on vacation. And the reason that I put the aha in there is because, um, counselors talk a lot about aha moments. And is there any sort of theory or correlation in planning aha moments while traveling that can really work for parents with strong-willed kids? Am I off? Is this anywhere along? You know, how how am I doing? Yeah, no, I I think that's such a good question because uh, so much of the travel advice you hear – some people can read it and say, well, that's great, but have you met my kid? Like, are you kidding me? Like that would never work. So the first thing we want to think about is, is where is your child already successful? And so if you have a child on the autism spectrum, for example, Mm -hmm. or a child Mm -hmm. with, you know, a sensory processing disorder, uh, and you know that they're successful in certain environments and they're typically unsuccessful in other ones, let's just start with saying, well, what kind of environment are they usually most successful in? Is it loud like a baseball game where they kind of freak out and they're like, this is crazy? Or are they kind of at home there? And so if we can just start to really understand first, where are they successful? Where are they unsuccessful? That's going to then rule out certain things. So if your child is on the autism spectrum, for example, and really gets into certain topics and wants to read everything and just dives in and just disregards people socially, well, Mm. maybe a museum might be a really good fit and you need to make sure they're not rushed and you need to help them be able to pick out which museum you go to. Uh, So maybe they don't want to go to the Natural Science Museum. Maybe they want to go to a kid's museum, a children's museum where there's a bunch of four and five-year-olds, but they're super into it and they want to be sort of a leader there. We want to look at... You know, what are the social norms that we expect? And then also, like, what's my kid want? Um, what's going to help them be successful and have them be a part of that process? As well, uh, we want to look at even before we ever leave for a vacation or travel or kind of whatever kind of makeup we have, like, what's the basic home environment expectations? And so, yeah. for example, in our house with our four-year-old and seven-year-old, uh, the four-year-old uh, is just now moving out of what we call stare time. So it's sort of like a timeout, but it's a little bit different. So, you know, if she is, you know, being a pill to her sister, uh, go have a seat on the stairs. Now, they're not isolated. That's really important, especially for the psychology and the, the way that the brain is made up. You don't want young kids to feel isolated. So you're not going to send them to their room at that age. Uh, so she goes on stare time, which is sort of a public stare 
stairs that goes up and down. She can ask for something that's going to help her soothe herself. And so, you know, if that's like one of her little buddies, if she wants a hug, we're not going to withhold love while she's trying to regroup because we want them to know that if you're feeling off, I'm here for you to help you work through that. Yeah. But then we, at the end, have three expectations we always say at the end of stair time. And that's, you know, did you stay in one spot? Were you quiet? And did you play with anything? That's, that's been something as young as both of them can remember. Those are the three questions that they could recite those verbatim. Now, with our seven-year-old, we start to transition around age five, and we'll be doing that with our four-year-old soon, to having chores to help the family when they've done something that's impacted the family. And mm. so uh, it may be, depending on it, you just earned two chores. Uh, if you can get one of them done in 15 minutes, we'll get rid of the other one, just to encourage them to have oh, good behavior. You're and giving so, me ideas. I might be so, failing parenting right now. <laughs> well, well, and I think that, I mean, we pick this stuff up, you know, as we go. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm fortunate that I, you know, got to go through grad school and learn all this and had a psychologist parent that had me on behavior charts from age four, <laughs> so, uh, which brings its own baggage. Uh, <laughs> uh, but so if we have that standard when we're at home, you know, imagine that we decide that we're going to, um, I don't know, we're going to go to Europe and, you know, one of them screwing up. I can then say, all right, you need to go have, we're not going to call it stair time in the middle of an airport. We're going to have it go sit on that chair over there. We're going to regroup and then we're going to ask those same questions. So then there's a sense of normalcy that it's the same system, but there's just a new environment. So we don't want those those new environments to cause any extra distress than what they already cause. You know, being in a new environment, having new sounds and smells and all of that is going to help have a kid feel less grounded. And so if our behavioral system can help them feel grounded, whether or not our kids have behavior challenges, we want them to be able to feel like it's it's still mom and dad. It's still mom and dad in this environment. And then we also lastly want to look at what are those basic things that could make them be more off? And so changes in their food, changes in their digestion, changes mm-hmm. in their sleep, um, you know, being able to say, okay, yeah, we just paid $35 a person and I can tell getting into this museum that this is going to be, you know, a big S storm and, you know, yeah. we should just leave. Um my in-laws, they started taking my my wife and her little brother um, to orchestra concerts when they were like two and four. Um, but they Those went are in brave saying, people, right? But they said when they start getting antsy, we're taking them out. And so oftentimes before intermission, you know, they leave, they stayed there for 20 minutes. But mm. over time, now you have these perfect little eight and 10 year olds sitting there watching an orchestra concert and all the other kids are just like running around acting crazy. Mm. So those sort of things to know your kid's limit and then start to step away from that is really important to build that sense of kind of resiliency and being, being able to work through new situations. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of when we were living in Colorado, which was our last stateside place to live. Um, they have an amazing small zoo, the Cheyenne Mountain Zoo, and we had a membership there. And it was that was kind of exactly our theory on that because we had Joey was younger and good name, uh, yeah, good name. Hey, he's the fourth, so we we kept it going. <laughs> but um, we would say we have a membership. When the kids are burned out, we don't have to do the whole zoo. So you yeah. do have to be, I mean, for us, because we had the membership, we're like, it's already paid for. It doesn't matter. Sometimes I feel like parents are like, 
We have paid $35 a person and we will enjoy this. Even if we, we are going to have the Disney (laughs) adventure. I don't care if you guys are going crazy. (laughs) And I think think knowing yourself too in that. And so, um, I remember last spring break, my wife and I were out visiting our friends, Kelly and Greg and Kelly and I are both super extroverted. Um, we're both in a very similar line of work. We both Mm -hmm. are podcasters. We could talk business and friendship and theology and life hacking Mm. all day long. Mm. And we realized that Greg and Christina were like spent. And so we decided, and you know, some people would be like, that's kind of weird. So Kelly and I took all the kids to Legoland and Uh then (laughs) Greg and Christina went to Stone Brewing and sat silently (laughs) next to each other and drank beer. And it was funny slash awkward when like Kelly would be taking a picture of me and my kids and someone would be like, oh, the mom's never in the picture. Jump on in there. (laughs) That's awesome. To to know that I was so excited to go to Legoland and to like do all these rides and go crazy and – you know, eat more sugar than we probably should. And my wife would have had a terrible time. She needed to just go sit at a bar and hang out and just be quiet and like mm-hmm. maybe talk to Greg and maybe just sit there silently for an hour. Um, so knowing yourself and knowing your own personal limits, I think is so important uh, in that equation as well. Yeah. My husband always says, babe, please manage my expectations. Like just tell me what I'm getting into. And uh, and that's yeah. something I've had to learn you know, over our over our marriage, but I think we're doing better now with that. And it's exactly... Uh, yeah, knowing your limits and for my husband, like managing expectations. Like I may have an understanding that the day may go one way and I'm totally able to go with the flow, but I need to be able to tell him like, this is what I'm prepared to do. And if it goes this way, this is also what I'm prepared to do. So he can, you know, so we can be on the same page. And I feel like if mom and dad are on the same page, the kids have a lot easier time going with the flow. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, there's even really simple things. Dr. John Gottman, uh, he's a marriage researcher for 40 plus years that Mm. can predict divorce with like 95% accuracy by watching a couple for 15 minutes. (laughs) The guy's like a marriage ninja. I mean, he discovered that when your beats per minute goes above 100. uh, So if you picture kind of the way that your your circulatory system works, it's sort of like a road. And so Mm. if your oxygen is going through your bloodstream at kind of the regular pace below 100 beats per minute. All those little exit routes in your brain for the oxygen to get to your brain have the time to get off. Now, imagine Mm. if you were going to try to get off of a highway going 100 miles an hour and you didn't slow down, Mm. like you would get in a crash. And Mm. same sort of thing when our beats per minute go above 100, the oxygen doesn't get to our brain. And so we get more overwhelmed. We're getting dumber every moment we stay in that over 100 beats per minute. Mm. And so if we're already feeling like, oh, we're in a new environment, and we you know, are fighting with our spouse and yeah. I'm all frustrated, just stopping and taking your pulse for one minute and seeing if you're above 100 and saying, I'm going to sit down until my beats go below 100 beats per minute so I can be a better parent and a better partner. Mm. That's a wild concept that I'm, I, I think that probably 90%, maybe even 100% of listeners, maybe not 100% because John's probably going to be listening and I know that he loves the Gottmans, um, probably aren't familiar with and and I would never think to do because sometimes like when you get fired up, you're just ready to go at it. Like, Oh yeah. But yeah, that's, that's, that's good to know. Good to have that to head things off. So I mean, a lot of what we're talking about is just that you you as the parent have the most influence over your child's experience when you're traveling. Hmm. And so your planning, 
your management of your own expectations, your behavioral training before you ever go on vacation, you saying, well, where is my child at their best? You really have the most impact over that being a positive experience, which Mm -hmm. should be both terrifying and also uh, allow you to feel a strong sense of control over your destiny for your vacation or your trip. Yeah. All right. So then let me, uh, we've touched on this a little bit, but let me just ask you uh, just before we pass over it, are there any specific do's for children planning for, or children planning, mm, parents planning for this type of vacation with a child, you know, a wild child, if you will, or don'ts that we want to include before we move on to the next section? Yeah, I would say some things to really do is involve them in the planning as much as possible. Mm, Um, One thing you can do is say, you know, what's one thing that if we did just that one thing on this trip, you would be so happy. Mm. Um, And so uh, I remember I went on a road trip with some friends down to Nashville, Tennessee, and we each um, just said, okay, what's one thing that you want to do that's just crazy fun and the other three of us will do it. Um, And so we each just picked one thing and it was super random things. For me, I don't know why I picked, I want to tour the Saturn plant. (laughs) Like I just thought that was super weird. Like (laughs) I've never seen (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We were going to do a hike, but it was super rainy on my day. Um, But it was like a crazy experience that we still all talk about. Like mm. we toured the Saturn plant. How weird was it? Whose idea was that? Oh, it was I mean, Joe's, I would, I would say like, Oh man, like the Ford motor plant or someplace historic, right. <laughs> you know, but Hey Saturn. All right. Yeah, it was down there. And so, I mean, same sort of thing. So my wife, you know, tonight is flying out to Seattle for a girl's weekend. Mm. I'm going to sit down with my two daughters and say, this weekend, what would be tons of fun for you? And what are, let's brainstorm some things and then let's have a plan for the, the one or two things that I think we can really commit to. Mm. So, so doing that on a trip and saying, you know, what's one thing you want to do? And if they feel like they've been heard when they're in that bookstore that you've wanted to visit that you've never been to and you've been dreaming about your whole life, they're going to be more patient there. Mm than they would have been if it was just like, we're doing what we want to do as parents and you are along for the ride. Yeah, that's true. I would also say uh, really uh, just see what you can do to help them stretch themselves. And so, uh, and this is even leading up to it. Uh, oftentimes in therapy, I talk about your comfort zone, your your comfort zone, your growth zone, and your panic zone. Mm. So having this language to say, okay, your comfort zone is that thing that doesn't stretch you at all. You know, as an adult, maybe you're in your pajamas watching Netflix, drinking a glass of wine. Uh, maybe your growth, Maybe your growth zone is if I had to do a public speech in front of a class at a local community college. Mm, and then mm-hmm. my panic zone would be if I had to speak in in front of the UN. Like there's no way. Oh my gosh. Uh, And so we don't want to be in our panic zone where our brains shut down, our beats per minute go above a hundred. We just freak out, but we don't always want to be in our comfort zone either. So using that sort of language with your kids, I think is a big do. Uh, And so for example, in our family, we talk about, are you going to be an adventurous eater tonight? Last night we went out to dinner and my wife and I got an appetizer of bacon wrapped shrimp. Delicious. Mm. My my seven-year-old was like, what's that? And I'm like, it's bacon wrapped shrimp. And she said, that looks gross. And I said, how about this? I'll give you a teeny tiny bite. And uh, if you chew it up and don't like it, I'll let you be super rude in public and spit it out on your plate. She was okay. Like, <laughs> deal. She's like, can I have more? On the way to school this morning, she said, can we figure out a recipe to make that bacon-wrapped shrimp? So she just went from – because she's a, quote, adventurous eater. And I gave her some autonomy like, hey, if you don't like it, spit it out and you can you know, be super rude in public. Which for a kid, they're like, what? That's I can cool. be rude? Yeah. Amazing. <laughs> but I just tricked you into eating shrimp that I knew you'd know is delicious. That's awesome. <laughs> so what about things that we should avoid – yeah, I think um, 
for kids, especially ones that um, tend to have some emotional volatility, um, avoid lack of planning. I mean, so I guess the positive would be plan. Mm. Uh, so often, like, we'll be on a flight and I'll see someone traveling with kids and it's like, you didn't bring any toys with this kid or uh, you didn't bring any new toys or a magazine or something to help entertain this kid. Like you're, you're going into a flight for four hours with this kid. Like yeah. think through a little bit. And so I, I think that's normal when we're on a flight. Like people think through, okay, how do I occupy the kid? Um, but you can do that throughout an entire vacation where you have different surprises that you pull out of your bag to keep that interest, to keep yeah. them engaged. If they're going to sit in a bookstore with you that you wanted to visit that you know they're going to find boring – don't just like expect them to be good. Figure out a way to tag team if you have a partner that you're traveling with or to have them go to a part of the bookstore that they find exciting. Like, Don't just assume that they're going to be good. Really be proactive. Yeah. Yeah. And on that note, we are about to take a transatlantic flight. And I'll tell you what, I am wrapping everything that is going into their backpacks because now they can be responsible for their own backpacks so that when they get on the plane, at least the first like minute – is going to be them being surprised by what's in their backpack. So there you go. Anyway, That's just, awesome. just a little pro tip there. So let me ask you this question. How important, or is there a reason to avoid activities while you're traveling with known risk or danger? I kind of feel like kids need a little bit of danger or to feel like there's, you know, something a little bit, I don't know, like, yeah, like danger, like excitement, adventure, um, in an activity and, um, or else it's not fun for them. I, and we kind of have this motto at our house where like, if it doesn't kill you, it's funny. It's a good story. It makes <laughs> you like feel that. accomplished. Yeah. And, um, and it's largely been true in my life. Um, am I totally off track here? Um, what should parents consider when they look at activities? No, I mean, you think about your best stories from travel. Uh, there is usually a sense of danger. Like when I was chased by a wild rhinoceros in Nepal or like Good ended up accident accidentally in the middle of a riot in Belgium. Like oh. those were not intentional things that I sought out, but they make dang good stories. And I learned a lot about what I should or shouldn't do or follow up questions to ask a guide when they're telling you what to do if a rhino charges you. Huh. So like in life, um, we learn from experiences. And I think, you know, giving our kids more kind of danger and risk is usually the side you should go on because I think naturally we try to protect them so much that uh, and control the situations that they just can't learn. Mm. So even like a simple example, the other night, so we're in northern Michigan right now, it's super cold and wintry. We were going out to dinner and our four-year-old would not put her coat on. And my oh. wife did this parent ninja move that I don't know where it came from. <laughs> and she goes, fine, okay, don't wear your coat. Let's go. And so our daughter was in the car with her coat on like a blanket, like shivering. She wasn't going to die. Like she's yeah. not going to get frostbite. <laughs> um, we, we pulled into the parking garage and had about a two block walk to get there. And she's like, would you like to put your coat on now? She goes, no. Okay. Like let's walk. So she's walking in her like long sleeve t-shirt uh. in freezing winter. I mean, as a parent, you're like, come on. Yeah. But about <laughs> 20 steps into it, she's like, mommy, can I put my coat on? That's right. And it's like, I mean, that's just a micro example of allowing our kids to experience risk, experience trying something new, pushing themselves and really seeing what they're made of too. Yeah. Uh, because so often, we don't have a lot of the the giant challenges that say people kids being raised in World War II or like yeah. the Civil War or any of those big things. We don't have as many of those challenges that just daily life offered back then. Mm -hmm. So for me, building that grit with our kids is really important um, to allow them to experience trying something, but even to like fall flat on their face and then learn from it. Yeah, or to make 
a simple good decision, like putting your coat on, is a good choice when you're in Michigan and it's sub-zero weather. Good choice. Right. Yeah. And so next time, and she's like, I'm not going to put it on. And she says, okay, fine. Maybe you got to learn this a second time. <laughs> uh, and over time, she's going to just be like, I need to put a coat on because it's freaking cold outside. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. That's exactly what we're doing here at, at, in Oxford, which is windy, blustery. That's kind of our thing. Although last week we had this day where it was like 70 degrees out for a week. Like, I don't know. And now we're back into blustery weather. My son said he refused to put his coat on. And I said, fine. And we did the exact same thing. And after squinting his eyes and leaning against the wind, he said, can I put my coat on? I'm like, yeah, okay, fine. (laughs) I I feel you on the coat front. Yeah. So can I put a few destinations or activities to you and ask for your comment on how appropriate the activity is for different types of kids? And, you know, and again, thinking along the lines of children who you're expecting to act out. Sure. Um, and, and so we can help listeners um, plan an activity or vacation that is appropriate. Yeah, All right. let's do it. Great. Let's go towards uh, three theme parks and maybe something like Disney or Six Flags as an example. Yeah. So I, I would say uh, there's nothing wrong with that inherently, but mm-hmm. we would want to figure out uh, what are a couple rides that that child's really excited about and maybe space those out throughout the day. Mm. And so maybe it's watching YouTube videos of that place. Uh, so we're going to Disney in about a month uh, mm. with our kids. Um, and so we've been watching like these you know, top 10 things to do at Disney. So they get excited about it. But then yeah. if you space those out through the day, you can use those as positive incentives for the kid to say, yeah, we have to sit and watch your younger sibling be on this teacup ride. I get that it's super lame. Like, I'm with you. Like, I don't want to go on the teacup ride either, but it's really important to her. Uh, and for you to go on the Raptor, Mega Raptor, uh, she's going to have to stand there and be super bored also. So if you want to do that, we've got to have a good attitude. Awesome. Also, I'd say for something like that, to ahead of time, really define like what does it look like to be a good family member today so that could be we're going to be safe we're going to be responsible and we're going to be a leader and you know safety let's quickly everyone give something quick on how you think we could be safe how do you think we could be responsible how do you think we could be a leader and then having those core things that you can go back to throughout the day and at lunch say hey how did, how did you see your sister be safe you know this morning yeah. or you know how was your brother a leader or i noticed this in you those positive like add a boy or add a girl mm. that's going to really help uh, create a better day for that child. Yeah. Cause the thing I think about there is a child bolting. That's my biggest fear mm-hmm. in that environment. So yeah, having up those parameters yeah. ahead of time. Are really good. And that's where, I mean, you really, I mean, that's where that going back to knowing your kid, um, to really know that if they're a bolter and you know, they've been unsafe in traffic in your hometown, well, if that's if that's a place that they've already been unsafe, mm. then you know a theme park's going to only amplify. So mm. I'd say whatever whatever you see in their natural normal environment, it's probably going to be amplified unless okay. you are really proactive. Okay. Now, what about like an animal experience? Maybe learning to ride a horse or volunteering at a rescue, something like that. Yeah, I think for a, a lot of kids in those environments. Um, Similar to the kayak story I told earlier, they're usually often more fearful Mm. uh, than the average kid. And so allowing them to have very clear boundaries of what they will and won't do. So imagine someone goes to a horse and, you know, the riding person is just like, hey, come on, I know you can do it. And they're like, I I don't want to. Mm. I don't want to. Um, There's this thing in experiential education called challenge by choice or choose your challenge. Mm. And so that's something that you can say, you know what? 
I want you to participate in the way you feel comfortable participating. So if that means riding the horse, awesome. If that means just introducing yourself to the horse or, you know, petting the horse or helping to brush the horse Mm. or even just talking to the person, I'm going to ask you, you know, what challenge are you going to choose for yourself uh, and let them really decide it? Because the worst thing that can happen is that we teach our kids that this person in, in authority is making you feel uncomfortable and now you have to do something that goes against what your gut is telling you you okay. should do. I mean, imagine how that could play itself out in you know, a number of situations yeah. where the person in authority makes you do something you don't want to do. Yep. Okay. That's good to know. All right. So what about, um, like, I'm thinking like a dirt experience, like learning to farm, growing things, some sort of eco-conservative, maybe like volunteering with a pickup group or like, you know, like cleanup group or something. Yeah, I think that kind of experience can be really healthy because there's a number of levels that it helps kids that struggle. I mean, being in nature, we know the research helps with that. Uh, Being a part of a group or a community, the physical exercise, I think that would be a great thing. Uh, What I would be worried about, though, is if you're, say, just picking up trash along the road or something, that if Mm. that kid gets bored, what are they going to do? So Um, how do we make sure mm -hmm. that it's it's more of a game. And so it may be, all right, we're going to see who can get the most trash in the next five minutes. The winner, you know, gets to have an ice cream cone or the winner gets to decide the next, you know, game that we're going to play. Hmm. So to have different ways that you can make it uh, kind of gamified, I think would really help a kid that uh, may start to get bored in the midst of that. Awesome. What about just simply camping? I mean, camping is awesome. Yeah, it is. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I say that, but I, I know that there's a lot of struggles with camping, uh, especially with kids. So things you're really going to want to be aware of is you know, if you have someone that does go off on their own, if they're in their own tent, having some sort of just safety measures around that. Yeah. Um, also being very aware of, you know, if you're in bear country or raccoon country, uh, being aware of the food and those sorts of things. Uh, but with all of these, if you can know your child enough to say what's the best light that they can be in here. So it may be for your typical camping experience, maybe it's like zero electronics, it's zero lights after a certain time, but you know for them, they just love the iPad once in a while. To use Mm -hmm. that as a positive incentive they can work towards or how can we bring some new lawn games with us? Even though we typically do more backpacking type camping, mm. well, maybe we have to adjust for a while. You know, okay. I have a four and a seven-year-old. So like what that's going to look like, the amount of just sheer little like furry buddies and blankets I they're going to bring with is going to be <laughs> ridiculous. I mean, to the mm. point that I'm just like, you have a whole bag of stuffed animals. But when they're 14, they're not going to bring that. They're, it's going to be a much different challenge at that mm. point. So I think understanding what's developmentally appropriate and then doing your best to allow the child to have kind of part of that mm. uh, as part of their experience. Awesome. So I'm going to guess similar parameters for like a beach trip. Yeah, I would just add with a beach trip, you also want to take into account swimming abilities and supervision just because, you know, you hear every summer about unfortunate accidents. I and know. so, yeah. uh, you know, when kids already make poor choices, you definitely want those extra eyes and ears on them. Uh, finding some uh, new activities, um, you know, they have those balls that like skip on the water mm-hmm. or um, you know, spike ball is one of our family's favorite, you know, beach games to play and um, engaging them in, in new games and uh, even kind of thinking through every 20 minutes or so, um, kind of changing things up so they don't get bored and there's something new that can really help them be more successful in those environments. Mm-hmm. So what about just something like, you know, maybe at your local craft store or maybe just in your home, like learning a new craft or a new hobby? Yeah, I think that's going to be based on if the kid's interested in it. A lot of parents will say, I know this is good for you. And it probably would be. But like, I remember my dad really wanted me to get into doing models like and I hated it. Like (laughs) every, every birthday I'd get like a model 
I don't know, something. And he'd want to do it with me. And it's just like, I didn't like it. And after probably the fifth model we did together, I finally was like, I don't want to do models. And so poor dad, (laughs) it's like, I'll play pool with you. I'll play basketball. We can draw together, but models are not my thing. Uh, And so I would, I would say the more that they can lead the process. So from start to finish. So for example, my daughter, she joined Cub Scouts, which is great. Girls are allowed in the Scouts. Hey, I was, shoot. Were you an Explorer Post? Yeah, we weren't allowed to be Eagle Scouts, but yeah, I did Philmont. We did everything. <gasps> I did Philmont. Huh, high five. Maybe that's why we're awesome travelers. That's awesome. <laughs> we did Philmont. That's killer. So you hiked Baldy in the Tooth of Time, all I that. did. I did. That is insane. That's awesome. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, yeah, so she joined Cub Scouts. And so I could really like tell her how to make the best Pinewood Derby car. Or it's like, hey, let's watch some YouTube videos and just see what people say. And we found this NASA scientist that talked about the physics of it. And she got super into it. Um, And so her friend Michaela is just like, you know, I want to make mine this way. And Lucia's like, I don't think it's going to go as fast. The physics don't say that. (laughs) She's like seven. But it's like she now owns the process. So if she wins, it's hers. And so start to finish, the planning, the colors, the glitter, the, you know, graphite, all that – it's her process and I'm supporting her in it. So she's going to be more engaged in it. Yeah. Awesome. Well, that's kind of the extent of my um, examples of trips. Is there anything that you want to put forward that I haven't put forward for the type of trip that might be, you know, good or that you've experienced or that you recommend to your clients? Yeah, I I wouldn't say necessarily recommend it, but um, having been to Haiti three times, I do think there's a place for families, um, of course, within your child's ability um, to go to the developing world and volunteer. Mm -hmm. Um, The things that that helped me transform in regards to my view of what it means to be a neighbor to people that are 200 miles from Florida Mm -hmm. um, and live in some of the worst poverty of the world. Um, I hope when our kids are older, we can take them to really poverty uh, places that are experiencing extreme poverty. Mm. Uh, I think it's going to help them have a broader view of the world while also realizing really just how much we've been given just by having clean water. So, mm. uh, yeah. so that, that's the only other part that I'd add in kind of to our conversation. Yeah. And I I actually will put a link for pack, pack for a purpose, pack with a purpose. I think it's pack for a purpose in the show notes and where people can find some reputable places to do that sort of thing or like volunteer, like rebuilding schools and things of that line. So yeah, I'll put that in the show notes. Um, now this is kind of a time where I just want to let you have a moment to talk to parents or caregivers on what you would recommend or things. I don't know anything I might have missed. No, I would just summarize it by uh, engage with your kids well before travel, let them be a part of the process. And then the more that you can uh, focus on when you are traveling to reduce everyone's you know, blood pressure, mm. pulse, uh, the impact of a new environment, um, to have some sort of kind of normalization to that, uh, you're going to be more successful if you do those things. Awesome. And then um, just because this is a show that typically has travel professionals on it, I'm going to go ahead and plug, you know, find yourself a travel professional that is um, a, a certified family travel professional. Or even if you have a child with autism, there's now a group that um, offers uh, training for travel professionals to be certified to handle children with autistic um you know, if they're on the autistic spectrum so that they can help you plan appropriate activities and they'll put you with reputable tour providers that won't put your family at risk, that are a known quantity, that are insured, all of the things that you want and expect in order to keep your family safe. Um, and if you want to email me about that, uh, you can simply email the podcast at info at travelradiopodcast.com. Now that people know how to find me, 
Joe, how can they find you? Yeah, they can head on over to practiceofthepractice.com. And if people are starting, growing, or scaling a healthcare business, we cover all sorts of things there. I interview all sorts of business people that are uh, within that industry, but even outside of the industry. We love going after big ideas like podcasts Mm. and keynotes as well. So I would love for you guys to check out the podcast or the blog we got. Yep. And we will put all the links to all of your everything in the show notes and on your guest profile. All right. Well, Joe, thank you for being on the podcast. I really appreciate you taking a moment to be with me. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. This is Megan Chapa of the Travel Radio Podcast saying good night. Wait. Joy. Unfreeze. Now, you're going to sing hello really loud. Freeze! When you say hello and hold it out, they're all going to sing too. Okay, ready? Okay. Freeze! Unfreeze! Okay, now you sing hello. Hello, hello, hello! Hello! Hello!